Thank you all for joining me today. Today, I want to talk to you about a man named Balaam and how Balaam missed heaven by 18 inches. I'm going to be coming to you from the book of Numbers, chapters 22 through 25. In your own personal Bible study time or time with God, I really suggest that you go through it and read it. It's an awesome story. I'm going to try and do it some justice, um, so work with me here. I learned in studying about Balaam that the writings of Balaam was found in 1967. And what is so refreshing about that is it's wonderful when you hear stories about architectures finding different fragments of the Bible and things that give us even more assurity that the Bible is true. Now, as we get into the story of Balaam, I want to set the background for you. This is all happening at a time when the Israelites have been freed from slavery after them spending 40 years wandering in the wilderness due to their lack of faith in God. And now there is a new generation of Israelites that have been raised up and they are blessed and highly favored by God. Exodus 10:23 tells us that even when God sent a plague of darkness to the land, the Israelites had light where they lived because they were that favored by God. Now, the story that we're getting ready to get into, it tells about the Israelites. They're on their way to the promised land. And on their way to the promised land, they set up a temporary camp outside of Moab. Now, Moab is ruled by King Balak. Now, the Moabites, they worship many gods and they live a very pagan lifestyle. Now, King Balak, he was very fearful and even jealous of the Israelites because the Israelites were, first of all, they were large in number. And the favor on them of God was very obvious. And they were known to, when they battled against anyone, they were victorious. They were known to win land in battles. The Israelites, again, were mighty in power. They were a godly people. Now, the Moabites, they were small in number, and they worshiped gods, and they, they lived a pagan lifestyle. Now, King Balak, he was fearful, and he wanted these people cursed and gone from around him. Now, Balaam. Balaam was a prophet, and he was a prophet that truly heard from God on a regular Today, we would look at him as a dynamic minister because of his gifting. Now, Balaam, he had a major flaw. Balaam was money hungry and had no problem using his God-given gift for profit. He was also known to many as one for the right price. If you wanted him to bless you, he'd bless you. If you wanted someone cursed, he would curse you. Just come up with the money and he'll take care of whatever you need taken care of. Now, King Balaam, he also knew of Balaam. 
and Balaam's reputation. So he sent his servants with cash in hand to Balaam to get Balaam to come back with them so that he could curse the Israelites. I'm going to be reading from Numbers 20 through 22, 7 through 14. And the scripture reads, So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the diviner's feet in hand. And they came to Balaam and spoke to him the words of Balak. And he said to them, Lodge here tonight and I will bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. So the princes of Moab stayed with Balaam. Then God came to Balaam and said, Who are these men? Now when God asks you a question, it's not because he don't know the answer. If God is asking you a question, he wants you to be aware of something. Or he's bringing something to you that you may want to like put on your radar to be a little bit cautious about. So Balaam said to God, Balak the son of Zebra king of Moab has sent to me saying, Look, a people has come out of Egypt and they cover the face of the earth. Come now, curse them for me. Perhaps I shall be able to overpower them and drive them out. And God responses, responded to Balaam with these words. You shall not go out with them. You shall not curse the people for they are blessed. In other words, they are my people. So Balaam rose in the morning and he said to the servants of Balak, Go back to your land, for the Lord has refused to give me permission to go with you. So the servants returned back to Balak. And Balak, you know, he lets his kingship get into his head. And he's thinking, he refused me? How are you going to refuse me? Do we not think that I don't have enough to pay him what he wants? Or what is what is the problem? What do you mean he said no? So what, is he, what does he do? He puts together a whole nother group of people. More distinguished people. Some nobles. And he said maybe, you know, he was offended by, you know, me just sending some average everyday people. So I'm going to put together some more distinguished people. And he sends them. And when they go back. They say to Balak, look, Balak the son of Zephyrus said, please let nothing hinder you from coming to me, for I will certainly honor you greatly, and I will do whatever you say for me to do. Please just come and curse these people for me. So now Balaam is talking to these distinguished nobleman and he said though Balak were to if Balak was to give me his house full of silver and gold I could not go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more than he has told me now therefore please you also can stay tonight that I may know what more the Lord will say to me in other words, he said, I'm going to see if God gives me anything different. I understand y'all have traveled a long way, but I can't do anything without God. 
And God did come to Balaam at night. And he said to him, If the men come to call you in the morning, rise and go with them. But only the word which I speak to you, that you shall do. So Balaam rose in the morning and saddled his donkey and went with the nobles of Moab. Now, if you were paying attention, God said to him, if the men come to call you, rise. Balaam had already put in his mind. See, because what King Balak actually did was he sent him a blank check. So, you know, Balaam started thinking, okay, this is a blank check. I get to write my own ticket with this. So he had selective hearing when it came to God's instruction because he just totally ignored the fact that God said, if the men come to you, rise and go with them. He just got up the next morning, saddled his donkey and went on with them. So scripture says, then God's anger aroused because he went. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. And as he was riding on his donkey and his two servants were with him. Now the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. And the donkey turned aside out of the way and went into the field. So Balaam struck the donkey to turn her back on to the road. Balaam is like, look, get back on the road. We need to keep it moving. I'm on a mission. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on this side and a wall on that side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed herself against the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again, likely saying, ouch. Okay, I don't know what's wrong with this donkey. He's going crazy. He done pushed me up against this wall and now he's going crush my foot. Then the angel of the Lord went further and stood in the narrow place where there was no way to turn, either to the right or to the left. See, sometimes God's going to get you in a position where you're going to have to make a definitive decision. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. So now Balaam's anger really aroused and he struck the donkey with his staff. When he struck the donkey with the staff, then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and he said to Balaam, what have I done that you have struck me these three times. Now for me personally, when the donkey started talking, I would have instantly know, okay, something's going on here. Maybe God, let me rehash in my head what I'm doing. And maybe I need to turn back. But Balaam answered the donkey, because you have abused me. I wish there were a sword in my hand for now I would kill you. So the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your donkey on which you have ridden ever since I became yours to this day? Was I ever disposed to do this to you before? The donkey, okay, let's call it what it is. 
There is a jackass talking to you, trying to get you to come to your senses, Balaam. And Balaam said, well, no. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. And he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I come out to stand against you because your way is perverse. See, Balaam had the gift of prophecy, but apparently he forgot along the way that God knows your heart. He knows your mind. And the fact that you anxiously went ahead and disobeyed him showed him that your intentions were not in regard to his word at all. Now, I looked up the word perverse, and ironically, the Webster's Dictionary gives you the definition of perverse as showing deliberate desire at all cost. And that is exactly what Balaam had, a deliberate desire at all costs to go against the word of God and pursue what he knew would prove profitable for him. The donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely I would also have killed you by now and let her live. And Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know you stood in the way against me. Now, therefore, if it displeases you, I will turn back. Then the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men, but only the word that I speak to you, that you shall speak. See, God is saying at this point, no, you go ahead and go. See, because you need, you need to redeem yourself. You need to show me that you are truly thankful for the grace that I have so, shown you. Go ahead. But now I'm warning you once again, only speak what I speak to you. Now, when Balak heard that Balaam was coming, he went out to meet him right there at the boundary of the city. The first thing Balak opened his mouth to say was, did I not earnestly send to you calling for you? Why did you not come to me? Am I not able to honor you? See, he all in his feelings. King Balak was all in the little king. He was offended that I called you. I had to send two groups of people before you to decide to come my way. What's the problem? You don't think I can I can pay you for your services? And Balaam said to him, responding right back, Look, I have come to you. Now, I have no power. All I can do and all I can say is the words that God put in my mouth to speak. So it was the next day that Balaam took Balaam and brought him up high on a mountain that from there he might observe the extent 
of the people of Israel. Then Balaam said to Balak, Build seven altars for me here, and prepare for me seven bulls and seven rams. And Balak did just that, as Balaam had spoken. And Balak and Baal offered up the bull, the ram, all that to altar. Then Balaam said to Balak, Stand by your burnt offering, and I will go. Perhaps the Lord will come to meet me, and whatever he shows me, I will tell you. So he went into a desolate height, and God did meet Balaam. And he said to him, I've prepared the seven altars, and I have offered on each altar a bull and a ram. Then the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, Return to Balak. And thus you shall speak. So he returned to him, and there he was standing by his burnt offering, he and all of the princes of Moab. Balak the king of Moab has brought me from Aram and from the mountains of the east. Come curse Jacob from me, and come denounce Israel. How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? And how shall I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? Then King Balak said to Balaam, What have you done to me? I took you to curse my energy, my enemies, and you have blessed them bountifully. So he answered and said, Must I not take heed to speak what the Lord has put in my mouth? Then Balak said to him, Please, come, just come with me to another place from which you may see them, maybe in a different light is what Balak was thinking. You shall see only the outer part of them and shall not see them all. And maybe then your God will allow you to curse them. So they go up on this mountain again, trying this again, and they offer up sacrifices once again. And these are the words that God put in Balaam's mouth. Rise up, Balak, and hear. God is not a man that he should lie nor a son of man that he should repent. He has said, and he will do what he said he will do. He has spoken, and will he not make it good? Behold, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. Now, King Blalock is really mad. And basically what he did was he told Balaam, look, if you're not going to curse them, shut up. Because I'm tired of you blessing them. Now just shut up. Don't say nothing. Don't say nothing. Because you're not doing anything that I brought you here today to do. So he backs away from Balaam and, and, he, and I'm imagining he starts thinking. Now I don't know what to do with these Israelites. They're favored by God. They're mighty in number. They've been known to slay all of their adversaries. I need them cursed. The only, and he's the only one that I know can fulfill what I need done. So he goes to Balaam once again. And he said, please come with me. I want to take you to another place. Perhaps it will please God that he may allow you to curse them. For me from there. So he's thinking that maybe if I go to another place, God will see something in them that 
warrants them being cursed. Now, when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he did not go as other times to seek to use sorcery, but he set his face toward the wilderness and Balaam raised his eyes and saw Israel encamped according to their tribes and the spirit of God came upon him. Then he took up his oracle and said, the utterance of Balaam, the son of Behor, the utterance of the man whose eyes are open, the utterance of him who hears the word of God, who seeks the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with the eyes wide open. He said, God brings him out of Egypt. He has strength like a wild ox. The prophecy that he's now given King Balaam, he's telling him about the favor on Israel. He's telling them and reminding them and reminding him how strong they are. He said, bless is he who blesses you and curse who he who curses you. This is what God has spoken over the Israelites. So if you choose to curse them, the curses will fall back on you. Now Balak's anger is aroused and heightened against Balaam at this point. To the point where he raises his hands against Balaam. And says, I called you to curse my enemies. And look, you have bountifully blessed them three times. Now, therefore, flee. Get out my face, in other words. I said I would greatly honor you. But in fact, the Lord has kept you back from honor. So in other words, I brought you here. I was going to pay you for your services. But you have done nothing that I have asked you to do. So leave. Get out my face. And know that your God has cost you your prophets. Now, Balaam is thinking, okay, I didn't travel this far. I thought that, you know, God was going to see something and maybe yield to King Balak's desires and curse Israelites, you know. But I got a plan. I got a ram in the bush. So what he does is Balaam asks King Balaam for a sidebar. He said, come, I will advise you what this people will do to your people in the latter days. So he's going to tell him exactly what they're going to do. And he's going to actually, what he does is Balaam brings him to the side and he, he basically tells him, Okay, although I couldn't curse them, all is not lost. I can tell you how to destroy them and make it where they actually destroy themselves. They are godly people and, and they have the favor of God on them. But if you persuade them to start worshiping idols and other gods and Get them to engage in sexual immorality. The favor of God will be lifted from them. And their might will be weakened. And he was right. He was absolutely right. So they sent 
in some Moabite women, you know, some little nice little friendly women into the Israelites camp. And they got them to start worshiping idols and engaging in sexual immorality with them. And sure enough, God's favor was lifted against them. And God even sent a plague amongst the Israelites. The plague cost the Israelites 24,000 lives. Now, let's go back to the advice and the counsel that Balak gave Balaam. He gave him that advice as to how to go after the Israelites to cause them to self-destruct. But right after giving him that counsel, he turned around and gave him another prophecy. And this prophecy that he gave him was one of the most profound prophecies that has ever been given in the Bible. The prophecy that he gives him is the one of the Star of David, which actually becomes the catalyst for the wise men as they see the star of David when Jesus is born. Now, the lesson here is to always separate the message from the messenger. Because, see, truth can come out of the mouth of a deceiver. Which is why knowing the word of God for yourself is so crucial. So that you can have godly discernment. Think about it. Without even a blink of an eye, Balaam was able to turn to King Balak and tell him how to destroy what God had blessed a people that God told him they are my people then turn around and give one of the most awesome prophecies given in the Bible without even a blink of an eye Balaam's betrayal was so great that centuries of people talked about the betrayal it goes on into Revelations. They're still talking about Balaam. Revelations 2.14 talks about the scheme of Balaam. As it says, Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold on to the teachings of Balaam, who taught Balaam to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food and sacrificed idols and committed sexual immorality. Now, of course, God at this point is not pleased at all with Balaam. And in the 31st chapter of the book of Numbers, God ordered Moses to take revenge on the Midianites for the children of Israel. And in that war, Balaam and King Balak were killed. Now, I'm sure Balaam's obituary probably read something like this. He was a man who communed with God. He had an incredible gift of prophecy, but greed consumed him. And he did at the hands 
he died at the hands of those who God blessed and told him not to curse as he was killed in battle along with King Balak. You know, I told you earlier in the scripture that 18 inches, Balaam allowed 18 inches to keep him from heaven. He missed heaven by 18 inches. What do I mean? There is approximately 18 inches between your brain and your heart. Balaam knew God. His brain embraced the concept of God. He even utilized the gifts of God. But it's obvious. He never allowed God into his heart. So that disconnect between those 18 inches from his brain to his heart cost him an eternity with God. Ironically, the number 18 in the Bible also represents bondage and slavery. And it's sin that holds us in bondage, that sabotages our relationship with God. You know, Balaam, on the exterior, he looked like a child of God. He could prophesy like the child of like a child of God. He knew he knew how to walk the walk and talk the talk and recite the scriptures and all of that. As many of us do now. We know how to walk the walk and talk the talk and but it takes a relationship with God to secure life and eternity with him. Relationships require getting to know someone. The only way to truly get to know God is by studying his word, by absorbing his word, by applying his word to your life. That's the only way to build a relationship with God. 2 Timothy 2.15 tells us to study to show thyself approved. Prayer, meditation, going to church, speaking in tongues, all of that is wonderful. But the word of God says to study to show thyself approved. God's approval is built on the foundation of your submission to his word. And in order to submit to his word and embrace his word, you have to study and know his word for yourself. You can know of God, but until you obtain the knowledge to know him on a personal level, making him the center of your soul, your soul is not saved. I rarely tell people that I'm a pastor because they tend to change and attempt to portray how holy they are. Like as if I have a heaven or hell to put somebody in. 
I'm not the one to impress. Your pastor is not the one to impress. Your friends are not the one to impress. Another thing people always want to tell you when you talk about their relationship with God, about what they do for other, their, others, their charitable works, their donations and, and all of that, as if that is a ticket into heaven. Let me tell you this. You can't nice your way to heaven. The only way in is a relationship with God. My question to you today is where are you in your relationship with God? Don't let 18 inches keep you from spending eternity with God. Now we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But please know God is not mad at you. He is not counting your sins. He is not holding them against you. And he wants so much to have a personal relationship with you that he clothed himself in humanity. Walked the earth as an example of righteousness. He shed his blood. He died on a cross. And then he raised himself from the dead. All so that you can be set free from the bondage of sin. Now, the disconnect in those 18 inches may not be sin. It may be disobedience. It may be lack of commitment to the Word of God, to embracing the Word of God, to studying the Word of God. If you have never accepted Christ into your heart or you want to start a renewed path, just repeat after me. Lord, I come to you as a sinner, asking your forgiveness. Please come into my heart, cleanse me, and be the Lord of my life. I believe in you and in my salvation through the blood, blood of Jesus. Today, I turn from sin and I put my trust in you alone as my Savior. In Jesus' name, I will forever give you praise and honor. Amen. If you made this declaration today, I would love to hear from you. When we end this message today, please just send me an email to PastorDeb at BibleDeliverance.org. Again, I thank you for joining me. And I say to you, don't let 18 inches keep you out of an eternity with God. Have a blessed day.
this time I want y'all to help us do it. Lift your hands in this atmosphere and say, I am grateful. have done. Look at him and tell him, yes, I'm grateful for the victories that we've won. Tell him I could go on and on. About your works. Because I'm grateful. Praise you, Lord. Lift your hands and say, flowing from my heart. Flowing from my heart.